0: Open up your books,
1: you Bad Apples.
0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Bad Apple Book Club. I'm Lucas Nord. And I'm Cole Lang. And uh, Cole, buddy,
1: how's it going today? Just fine. Uh, Just like you, have a three-day weekend. You know, I'm not out traveling the world this weekend. I decided to hunker down, focus on the podcast, focus on the homework and uh oh, and just horror. myself yep
0: well you know what though uh what is that uh just uh what would they call that a mental health weekend or something like that either way just treat do yourself. you kick back treat yourself three days hey go out and get yourself like uh one of those gross little um Ice cream treats with like the peanuts and chocolate on them or maybe like a Snickers bar or something. Mm. I think they're called drumsticks, what I'm thinking of. Maybe they're not that bad. I I enjoy them, but uh, Um, to each their own. Yes, of course. And speaking of things we enjoy, unfortunately, today we will be capping off our One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest um, At least the, the series specifically covering the book. Yeah. Um, we're going to be doing parts three and four today. We've already gone over it a hundred times with you people listening at home. We had to record episode one and two sessions or part one and two sessions of the book. And then part two, what was it last week? Okay. <laughs> two and three. <laughs> the, first, the first episode was the first half of part one. The second episode was the second half of part one. Third episode was two and three. And then this one's just going to be four, correct?
1: Yes, the great finale, the final showdown, yes. the final countdown. Oh. And I tell you,
0: I've already read the book, and I, I'm not joking with you that I am still here with bated breath. Because this is going to bring me all back to reading the book so far We've been introduced to R.P. McMurphy and Harding and Big Chief and Ratched and Martini and, you know, just for our little recap we usually do, it all starts off with McMurphy being brought to this uh, facility as opposed to going to the work farm. He thinks that he's going to be finishing off his six-month work farm stint, but just in the last episode he was informed by a fellow patient that not everyone gets to leave uh, either when they want or when they think they get to leave. And we really saw a dramatic change in McMurphy's loud, you know, oh, yes, yeah, slapping everyone on the back, you know, to hell with everything that isn't a good time. Smoke yep. as many cigarettes and drink as many beers as you want, you know, try to watch the baseball game. But um, by the end of the last episode, he kind of made a
1: comeback. He did. He... Like you're saying, he suffered a big blow to his ego. but Oh, man, that hurt. Yeah, and it, it just lasted briefly. And then he's all right. he said, all right, boys, basketball team, we're doing it. Fishing trip, yep. we're doing it. Oh. Uh, which was really fun. The fishing um, trip
0: yeah. is without a doubt probably the highlight of the whole thing for me.
1: I would say so as well. It was f- full of a lot of funny scenes, but at the same time, like it was a sense of relief, and it was like this is the first taste of freedom these guys have felt for a while. Ooh, um, and, and it, nothing went wrong, mostly overall went pretty all right, um, had a few hiccups, uh but yeah, that was a hiccup or two, yep. Yeah. Uh, but they eventually do make it back. Yeah, that's where we pretty much leave off for part four. I will say, I watched the movie for this when
0: I was younger, and I haven't seen it since, but the part that I remembered vividly was that fishing trip, so I was really excited to get to that part in the book, and it didn't
1: disappoint, No, obviously. no, I thought... I just rewatched the movie too, and I think we'll discuss that in our review episode a bit more, but Sure. Yeah, it was it was actually I laughed more in the book than I did in the movie, but that, Very interesting. But that could've just been like, Oh, I know what's coming kind of thing and All well, right, see, I knew what's gonna happen.
0: Like we said, if I end up watching it by the review episode, I'll give it my darndest, but now that it's October, I'm watching a movie a day, a horror movie a day, and I'm actually glad that I brought that up, because real quick, I would just like to say that as of this recording, I've only watched two episodes, and for this October, I'm doing Sequel-tober, baby. Uh, on, the first, on the first, I watched Hellraiser 3, Hell on Earth, and last night, I watched Sleepaway Camp 2, unhappy campers and um i'm gonna be using the podcast here just to kind of get that out there because i think it'll be kind of fun to look back on these recordings and know exactly what i watched when i watched it and that's all i really wanted to say maybe i'll finish one floor of the cuckoo's nest the movie by the time we actually would be talking about the film in our review episode but i don't know man just depends on how i'm going to be feeling it's, it's spooky
1: uh, season, you know.
0: Yes, it is. Yeah. And without further ado, I think it's about time we get down to Brass
1: tacks or Cold Boy. Yep, yep, yep. Yep, and so when we last left off, like, they just get back from the fishing trip, and McMurphy, you know, he was looking pretty exhausted from his antics. It's taking yes, a toll because he knows that... Well, the ending's probably not going to be so good for him. The things that Chief specifically
0: points out are the fact that on the boat, even though they don't have enough life jackets for everyone, McMurphy made sure to get himself one. Mm -hmm. And when he was driving the gang home, he thought that his face was shrouded in shadow, but Chief could see that everything he's been doing with the ward lately has just been
1: like, you know, sucking blood out of a stone or whatever. Yeah, he's he's starting to wear down. And that's that's where part three ends. And uh, part four is kind of starting off with Nurse Ratched's point of view during this. And when he was gone having his fun on the fishing trip, Nurse Ratched is like, we got to figure out a game plan to take down this threat, which is R.P. McMurphy. Um, right, right. And I just noticed that his full initials are RPM. Uh, Very, very interesting. Like he's, I don't know if that was on purpose, but. Um, uh, RPM. Oh, rotations per minute. uh, Revolutions.
0: What? Revolutions per minute. What is, is that the same thing I'm thinking of? Um, In a car, I mean.
1: I think, well, for a car, it's like the cycle of how much your piston does. I'm pretty sure. Ah, yeah, but they well, call it Well, I mean, well, RPM seems
0: appropriate because yeah, once he's again, always I don't high. RPM. Yeah, well, see, yeah. I don't, I don't actually know anything, but I'll just say that it sounds accurate because when I think of RPM, I think car, and then if I, <laughs> I think th- of a man being a car,
1: I think McMurphy. and I think fast. When I think car, I think sure. fast. Yep. Yep. And yeah,
0: the when he his first day on the ward when they were trying to stick that thermometer up his butt, they couldn't even catch him barely. He was nope. all over the place so nope. so quickly and such.
1: So yeah, Nurse Ratchet, she's like, We gotta figure out how to take this guy down. And Chief, he says that people question motivations of seemingly good acts of men and say that we should even think about Santa Claus's intentions. Why is he giving all these kids presents? He has to have well, a questionable motivation for this. That is a good question. What does Santa gain? I don't know. I would really want to ask Chief and see what his take is on it. Maybe he's part of the okay. combine.
0: I Santa really probably know.
1: is part of the combine, unfortunately. Yeah, he's, uh he, he's part of the big machine to profit, say to make sales during Christmas time. Uh, yeah, I, well, I mean, He's just another cog, man. Pretty much. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, so Chief, he's, he's like, now it's completely normal to ask why McMurphy was doing this. And it gets into this point where, well, Nurse Ratched, with her plan she figures out that McMurphy profited a little bit. So she posts the patient's finances on the wall, showing that everyone has been losing money except for one man, and this man is McMurphy. Kind of an
0: interesting thing because, once again, we'll dive in here, but even right off the bat, uh, McMurphy jumps into a game of poker that the boys are playing. Once again, when the aides are chasing him around on his first day on the ward, he's immediately drawn to this. I mean, obviously the gambling table where the excitement's at, and throughout the whole book, you know, he's taking place or he's taking bets on who can like, you know, stick the biggest wad of chewing gum under the toilet, or who can like, uh you know, sit in front of the blank T V the
1: longest. He's just
0: <laughs> He was born a gambling man.
1: Yeah, yep. And he doesn't know when to fold him as uh can he, uh Oh, you gotta know when to hold them and when to
0: fold them. When to walk away, when to run. I love that
1: song. A good song, very good song, yes. good artist as well. Yes, um, of course. So yeah, the the patients starts to question his motivations a little bit. And during a group meeting, McMurphy, he's on the phone and they start talking about McMurphy and how great of a guy he is. And then after this whole fishing stunt they're like this guy's crazy he i can't believe he actually took us on a fishing trip and did all this stuff and then um and then nurse ratchet says quote he is crazy as a fox probably not wrong no and like she's like implying that he's a bit of a fox because he's Pretty sly in what he's been man. doing lately. And she explains that McMurphy, he's won more than $300 from his bets with the patients and that he profited from the fishing trip where McMurphy himself didn't really pay anything. So Harding, he says that the man deserves a little bit of profit due to his talents and he compares them to a P.T. Barnum figure who did circuses early in the 1900s. The Barnum Circus, uh, which is I'm pretty sure is done now, but I did see it once as a, as a child. That was fun. Very nice. Uh, yep.
0: Did you did you see like the the bear on the unicycle or like the
1: elephant standing on one leg or something like that? The only thing I could really remember was uh, the motorcycle ball thing. Oh, those are hard to forget. Yeah, that was intense. Very intense. And if i may
0: say real quick in a uh in a little bout of absolutely not looking something up on the spot uh $300 in today's money is just over <laughs> 2500 so mcmurphy what? really is yeah you looked up this inflation uh, calculator and it says $300 in 1962 is equivalent to is equivalent to $2,569.74 in 2020. Wow. And Yeah, he
1: uh he really has been making money moves. Yeah, I was like three hundred dollars, that's not terrible, but yeah, when you did that mental math in your head, I don't even you didn't even right. use the calculator, right? Um, I was going to say that. I
0: I try not to get embarrassed, but I am a math genius. Yeah. Um,
1: you I went, know, it just kind of comes naturally. Yeah, in high school, I made sure I sat down by you in every single test. And um, yeah, I, to- I said, I would always tell him I was a big football guy. And I said, Lucas, you do my homework tonight. And then uh, you get a front row in the football uh, game tonight. Uh-huh. I remember
0: it like it was yesterday. Um, The sad truth, though, is if you did copy off my math, you would probably still manage to do better than me. But that would not be saying much.
1: Uh, uh, Don't don't uh, discount yourself, Okay, Uh, Math is hard. You're making a podcast now.
0: Yeah, we're both. Well, I mean, to be fair, we're both making a podcast now. Yeah, very
1: true. When you think about it. <laughs> Harding says this, that he's like a showman, but at the same time, like he, he does partially think that he does deserve a little bit of profit, but he's also true. calling him like a con man a little bit. Um, Not wrong. Yeah, but I mean, they got talents and so does McMurphy. and. Right. At this point, only Chief and Billy Bibbit believe in McMurphy. And McMurphy tells uh, Billy that Candy is going to come up and Billy needs to pay him $20. And this is much more than the average bus fare. Like, I don't know what the conversion rate is on this. uh, Well, I mean, actually, (laughs) now (laughs) that you mention it...
0: Um. Now that you mention it, actually, if I'm not mistaken, $20, okay, now this makes it sound ridiculous. $20 is worth a 152 today? No way. $20 in 1962 is equivalent in purchasing power to about $172.13 in 2020. Wow.
1: Now, there is
0: no way you could get that much out of someone for a bus ticket, is there?
1: uh i don't know it's neither here nor there candy she can work wonders she's that pretty
0: yeah uh candy uh candy star mcmurphy's
1: beautiful aunt yeah (laughs) (laughs) but not really (laughs) (laughs) no not really yep and once again thank you for that mental math lucas it's coming in clutch for this um
0: yeah hey Hey, if you keep asking me questions, I might just have to—I uh, might just have to keep the calculator open. Or uh, I mean, you <laughs> know, brain. I'm always sharp. I'm always sharp. <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: it but, comes with the territory. Yeah, now, exactly. Back, back to this. Back to this
1: baloney. Hey, yeah, this throws Billy off a bit, and especially with the conversation they've just been having with McMurphy profiting off of them, and so McMurphy. He starts to compliment how big Chief has become. Kind of a weird thing if you don't know the context, but... Uh, <laughs> well,
0: we even know the context in one scene of the book, and it's pretty weird then, too. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah it was. Shout out to all the people that remember McMurphy pulling the blanket off,
1: Chief. Yeah, You're yep. the real ones. Real poetry. Um, yep. But, uh, so yeah, he's like, Hype in chief up and remember he said he is going to have chief go through this p90x program but it's like mcmurphy's fitness program to make him feel big again and mm-hmm. uh he tells him to lift up the control panel that mcmurphy tried lifting earlier in the book chief he's looking down he's like whoa my feet are big everything about me is big now and it, but he still doesn't believe he can lift it but he does and At the group meeting, they're doing another one after he does this lift. And Chief is really surprised that McMurphy isn't bragging about how how strong Chief is to everyone in the room. But he soon finds out because McMurphy, he starts taking bets with the patients saying that Chief can't do this. Yeah, that's crooked right there yeah it really is. It's like you're gonna con this man that you've been building a pretty nice relationship with even a whole <laughs> ward of them you would think yeah yeah this But is that's just outright, his nature
0: pretty nefarious yep right exactly he probably he probably doesn't see uh he probably sees like the same trouble with tricking people and gambling as like breathing like well, I mean. <laughs> You got to breathe, don't you? <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> I, I got to play my uh, pinnacle. Ugh. It yes. gives me life. They all bet that Chief can't lift this thing. And he ends up lifting it. And they he walks out and he doesn't even look at McMurphy or acknowledges him. And then McMurphy's like, oh, come on, Chief, Here's here's $5. And he's like what's the deal with everyone lately and then chief says quote you're always winning things and walks off very interesting part in the book yes
0: you know just because mcmurphy's ways are finally kind of catching up to him in one way or the other and i mean he's not wrong once again he suckered that whole room into uh into betting, and who even knows if his first try at moving it was even kind of a uh kind of a long con in one way or the other when he when he said if you're within five feet of me you might want to back up because i'm known to suck all the oxygen out of the room and <laughs> grown men faint
1: yeah yeah but he tried he really did um, he did god damn it so so yeah exactly like he he's starting to lose the trust of everyone and we'll see if he can get it back so the men they are ordered to be showered because they were exposed to lice on the fishing trip like the outside elements got to him and the aides are spraying down the patients with this uh ointment or like this weird spray like disinfectant whatever and Yuff. The whole time the patients are cracking jokes at them so one of the one of the aides tells frederickson to spread his cheeks and he farts when he does this and oh <laughs> that's not what you were supposed to do no no but the the turntables the ta- the tables have turned and so, yeah, like the patients, they're feeling good about themselves and the the aides are getting pretty mad and they're sh- trying to show their power. And they do this as they move to Rub-A-Dub George, knowing that he never Uh-oh. uses soap despite his obsession with clean- cleanliness. Captain George. Yeah, our our brave captain from the last episode drove the boat right into the logs when candy star exposed
0: her breasts yes and he also gave mcmurphy some fishing advice oh you don't want the big red worms (laughs) you want the little
1: chunk of heron for some good fortune oh yeah especially during this season yeah oh yeah Yeah. maybe some Ludafisk, and then uh we'll pack up and get some lefsa
0: oh Oh, yeah. yeah 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 uh, uh, yes Lessa. oh uh. yummy well, i suppose while we're talking about this uh if people can't tell just by hearing i got i got thick norwegian blood pumping through my veins but i still don't think i've ever had a piece of Lessa that i could actually palate
1: <laughs> yeah i i've had and for it people that
0: don't know Lefsa is like a, it's like a sugar tortilla or something like that. that yeah, like it's a potato more based butter Oh, potato based. Okay, well now I mean next time I'm in, in the same room as a piece of lefsa, I'll try it, but for now mm. I just remember it being like weird and sweet <laughs> and soft, and then you put butter and sugar on top of it. It sounds perfect to be honest. It's good. But it's pretty good. I'll try it. I'll try it again.
1: I remember in fifth grade, we had like Norwegian day and I felt so out of place because like everyone else in the class was Norwegian, but me and I, I'm part <laughs> Swedish. So that was the first time where I was like, <laughs> just felt out of place. And uh, I didn't want to celebrate Norwegian day in fifth grade. I didn't want to eat well, the should You shouldn't have had to still makes me very mad to this day um just like the spelling bee just like the spelling bee yep i have a lot of gripes a lot of gripes that i'm going to spill out on this podcast hey i get it i'm pretty sure that's what it's here for we
0: i've actually been thinking lately that the book talk should take more of a back seat and we should just babble more (laughs) um when i'm listening to the episodes when I'm listening through the episodes, I'm always like, you know what? I'm not relating a part of the book to something completely random enough. So I think that that's actually the direction I'd prefer to take it in.
1: Yeah, I would. I guess at the end of the day, I wanted this to be a therapeutic thing. Um, so oh, not in a million years, buddy boy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, we'll we'll get back here and. Um, sure. So, yeah, Washington, who was the aide that McMurphy elbowed, he still has a gripe, and he still has a scar from his broken nose that McMurphy gave him. And he knows that McMurphy is kind of, you know, he's walking on ice, and he knows that if he starts to tease and scare George here, uh, it's going to rile up McMurphy a bit. And so he starts to tease him and he's like, look at George, you got all these little bugs all over your body. And then McMurphy steps up and says, that's enough. Washington doesn't uh, stop. And he grabs George, forcing him to get cleaned. And this is like his number one nightmare. And McMurphy responds, quote, I said, that's enough, buddy. End quote. He continues mcmurphy calls him a racial slur i'm sure you guys can pick up what that is and then the- we'll,
0: we'll refer to that as a callback to the hp lovecraft episodes. <laughs> it's what he called because his cat every series has had a some sort of a callback to the last one and that's what we'll call our callback to hp Lovecraft's the call of Cthulhu. <laughs> the horrible racial slur that mcmurphy called this black aid in the ward
1: yep yep and it's not the first time he does it um but yeah and the aid just keeps on going and then mcmurphy he's getting ready to defend george and everyone can tell he does not want to do this but he goes ahead and shoves the aid knowing that it's gonna have consequences for, uh, once again, it'll have consequences. He's already,
0: you know, beat to crap after doing everything for these guys. And I think that uh, this might kind of show us that there may be a little bit of gold inside McMurphy because the guys are probably expecting him to do something like this, especially after words out that he's kind of been meticulously conning them all out of their money yeah. over the last couple of months.
1: Well, well, that's also the thing is like, I feel like he does care about these guys a lot and doing this, it shows that he's willing to sacrifice a lot. But at the same time, his major foil is that, you know, just like he says, I gamble too much and I fuck too much. Like he just can't control his impulses, his impulse. Right.
0: And we've seen him to be that type of character through the book pretty, pretty accurately, too.
1: Yeah, a multifaceted character. And yep. uh, the the aide is like, you know, a- after this, McMurphy just shoves him. That's it. And then the aide says, hey, guys, you saw McMurphy attack me, right? And then he says he can use this as self defense. And then he starts to beat McMurphy, but does little damage. And so, like, I remember Keezy. Saying that it, he was like a bull, where like all these punches just just kept on re- deflecting off of him. As he describes this, he's saying that like for every ten blows he deal, he gets from Washington, he blows like one punch into Washington, and just like it causes a lot of damage. And more aides start to attack and McMurphy tries to buck them off once again like a bull and Chief he helps throw one away saying that he was quote only 15 pounds unquote and one of the aides like hops on him and he like rams him into the wall so it's like pretty chaotic uh they win the fight but Chief and McMurphy are sent to the Disturbed Ward at the end of this. Um, and if I may
0: say real quick, just to show, obviously, Chief kind of has his mojo back seeing that he's a big man. And the specific exact quote that you referenced was, uh, so I picked off and threw him in the shower. He was full of tubes. He didn't weigh more than more than 10 or 15
1: pounds. Yeah. (laughs) Full of tubes. Yeah. Well all the uh, aids are full of tubes. I thought that was interesting too, because like they're part of the combine. Like uh sure they're light, but at the same time it could be like, oh, they're just part of this big machine or whatever. Yep. So when they arrive in the ward, it smells like singed flesh. Uh just from all the electroshock therapy going down. And McMurphy being himself, it's just like when he arrived in the ward in the first or in the regular ward, he asks for the leader of the group, the bull goose, bull goose looney and, and then he might actually um
0: meet the man in this place because we've obviously seen that everyone in his ward, uh albeit you know everyone's kind of got their personal issues rubbed up George with the soap Billy is kind of just a nervous person in general, but uh there was no real bull goose loony, but undisturbed ward, there might uh there might be a bull goose loony who is like willing to uh like eat your eyelids
1: or something like that. Ooh yep. Yeah. That'd be pretty spook- gross. Some spooky stuff going down here. Yes. Brian time for a spooky season. Yes, absolutely. Yep. And so they're escorted by a Japanese nurse who cares for their wounds and gives Chief a piece of gum. And uh, she says that she remembers that he loves gum and Chief is the whole time he, he doesn't remember meeting this nurse or anything he's like how do you remember that <laughs> but it's just because he's gotten what? the therapy so many times the electroshock therapy that is right she gives McMurphy a cigarette so yeah just a total opposite of the way the this ward is ran she explains that nurse ratchet she tries to run her ward like she's still in the army because she used to be in the army as a nurse. And says that these nurses are, quote, a little sick themselves. Not wrong. Interesting. Yep. During the night, Chief awakens to like this guy who's yelling at him. He's like, Watch me spin, Indian. Whee. And then he ke- keeps on saying this, but he's like really freaking Chief out. And I don't know, was this the same dude you're talking about that uh, is kind of spooky?
0: Oh, well, just, you know, being that this is the Disturbed Ward, just even the change in title makes me think that this is obviously where they're, well, you know, keeping the Disturbed guys. They uh, they got a, a bit more, maybe not more issues than our boys in the regular ward, but more intense issues. And where it's kind of fun when Martini sees the 100 houses on the Monopoly board um, you know, these guys may be having similar delusions, but, you know, it leads to violence or something like that. I'm not really sure. That's just, you know, I picture the disturbed ward is probably where they keep more of the disturbed individuals, if I had to guess.
1: Uh, yeah, like... um Just like how you were saying with the haunted house thing in the asylums that's like the same place where everyone's like, I'm so crazy, everyone's in a straight jacket. Precisely. Uh, Yeah, it's just good call. It's it's that it's that kind of scene. Oh, of course, of course. But yeah, this is where the electroshock therapies are administered and the lobotomies, uh, which is a last resort. So they wake up the next morning, and McMurphy apologizes for getting him involved into the fight, and Nurse Ratched enters the ward smiling and says that McMurphy can escape electroshock therapy if he just admits that his actions were wrong. And he replies with, quote, we? Those Chinese commies could have learned some things from you, lady! Unquote. <laughs> so... And if I may say, requiring the
0: admittance of doing things wrong here, I'm not sure if this is completely accurate, but I believe that um oftentimes, like, McMurphy was diagnosed a psychopath, but that's kind of here nor there or whatever, mm-hmm. or, you know, maybe a sociopath or something. But with one of those, or maybe both of them, I know that, um, a lot of the times in their trials,, uh, a big part of it will hinge on if they knew what they did was right or wrong, whether it you're, you know, depending on what it be. But I think that, Mc, er, I think that ratchet is kind of trying to do a similar thing. She obviously wants McMurphy to, you know, kiss the tips of her shoes and beg for forgiveness. But I think that in her like twisted, manipulative way i think that she still kind of wants to get the actual answer out of it but it also wouldn't hurt to have mcmurphy say yes i'm sorry that i fought with the aides that were hassling my boy george and i'm sorry about the whale print boxers i'm sorry about stealing the
1: boat Uh, that's just kind of what i think though yeah but that 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 would go against like his personality and everything because this is like the two biggest forces going head to head. And this is where Nurse Ratch is like, I'm going to win. You know, like she's she's looking at this and she's like she's ready to have the peace contract set out. It's like the Treaty of Versailles, whatever they're ready to put down some negotiations and like this, the way McMurphy responded to this and like saying that, uh, her actions are worse than the commies that had him in prison was really funny. Yeah. And, she, uh, they're, they're both about ready to go to war here. Yeah. It's, uh, it's amping up literally. Yep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh cool. Amping up. Electroshock uh, therapy.
0: Good grief. Now see this. This is what I tune into the Bad Apple <laughs> Book Club podcast for. Uh, the
1: nothing the sh- but the finest. Yep, yep. You'll, you'll get your buzz here. <laughs> oh, jeez, no, he right. again. All <clears> right, <throat> all right. Back, back to the story. I'm gonna go off the rails well, with how bad these jokes are. Well, if I may say too. I hope that this episode hasn't
0: been too shocking for anyone listening Jesus. at home. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> uh, all right, all right, all right. I'm done. I just, I couldn't help myself. And yet. I'm not stopping
1: there. Oh, okay. Um, oh, right. Billy Mays call back <laughs> yeah. again.
0: Yeah. Even uh, though I don't think Billy Mays ever said, <laughs> and I'm not stopping there. I don't, don't know. We'll know. have to fact check that, but... Yeah, we don't think we won't.
1: <laughs> not worth the time, but... So, they're led to the shock shop. That's where this electroshock therapy is going to go down. And McMurphy tells Chief, quote, Don't worry. If they can't hurt me, they can't hurt you. Unquote. So, he's just like, we're in this together, man. And Very nice. I thought this was really interesting. And as he climbs onto the table that's shaped like a cross, he asks for a crown of thorns. So, once again, we're getting that... Jesus image, even though this guy is kind of kind of flawed. Uh, and this is
0: like very overt. Yeah um, it's very in your face. Like you mentioned in the Clockwork Orange episodes that a lot of people read into Alex as being like a type of backwards twisted Jesus figure but there isn't anything too in your face in there but yeah this
1: seems a little seems a little on the nose yeah yeah pretty hard to miss yep and once he gets up on the table he he goes through the treatment and you know he still has like his cowboy behavior but he is a little bit scared and then oh. eventually it is chief's turn and he gets the shock therapy when when this happens he has flashes of from his childhood and he remember he remembers a poem where a woman captures hens and puts them into pens a flock of geese is is above and this is where we get the whole title of the book and the whole time i'm reading this book i'm like where the hell did this come from with this title and it comes from this little game this little nursery rhyme about this woman and uh and then it goes quote one flew east one flew west one flew over the cuckoo's nest goose swoops down and plucks you out and there's a little bit more but basically this is saying is that nurse ratchet is putting all these like hens into this uh, well gated property these pens and there's a flock of geese above and like um One goose swoops down that being McMurphy and he plucks you out. And it just turns out that this is basically chief's revelation where he's like, I, I'm big again. Like I, McMurphy has made me feel big again. The fog is clearing on its own. Like I don't even, I'm not really scared anymore. And he says this time he knows he has the ward beat. Very nice. So we have the rise of Chief here, but just not in the terms of his genitals. Um. Oh, wow. (laughs) Um, And, you know, this, uh, wow, I was
0: definitely going to say something there. And then your comment just completely cleared my brain. Yeah, Um, fog cleared. Okay. Let's see here. Yeah, you uh, cleared the fog of me saying something that was gonna make sense. <laughs> um, you know what? I'm just gonna let this one go, and we're gonna we're gonna think back on your comment you just made.
1: But only yeah, let's just yeah, let's just take a second to think about Chief uh, Rising. Oh my goodness. Um, um, back to his original height. Back to his original
0: height. Uh, oh my goodness. Oh, here we go. This is what I wanted to say. Um, Chief obviously takes a back seat because he doesn't have quite so demanding a personality as McMurphy. But where we see some obvious flaws with McMurphy and the way he does things and maybe some of his past life transgressions. Chief is pretty much completely clean. We don't even know what he's in the ward for. We know that he has his troubles, but uh, he's much more... Well, I, I suppose he may be referred to as morally ambiguous, but we at least know that Chief uh, never hurt anyone or anything
1: like that, which is kind of interesting. No, uh, I think... Um, no? Or I, I Like, no, he hasn't. Like, beside, oh, right, besides yeah. that fight. But... Um, yeah, I think something happened to him. Well, just over his whole life, you know, he's been um, troubled, beat down, troubled, and then I think the war, whatever he, he experienced there, just kind of finally set him set him to the ward, and yeah, that's where he decided right. to take on the deaf and dumb front. But sure, not no more. He is nope. coming. He's coming back and he credits credits it to mcmurphy and so mcmurphy he gets three more treatments that week and his cowboy behavior hasn't died yet so he pinches nurse ratchet in the butt and claims that the shock shock therapy is his battery charger (laughs) like yikes yeah so he's like That shock therapy, it's keeping me going. It's what gives me life. Um, Oh, man. But yeah, and he acts like the therapy isn't having an effect on him. But kind of like what I was saying earlier, each time the loudspeaker calls for his name to get his therapy, he twitches a bit. But only Chief notices this. So Chief... He is released back to Nurse Ratchet's ward, and everyone is cheering him on and is asking about McMurphy. So they're like, they they have this version of McMurphy in his head or in their heads. They're 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 thinking he's still the, holding on, like he's still this strong guy. Right. And
0: Harding hasn't,
1: hasn't lost lost a touch
0: or lost his beat or whatever at all. Yeah. But he's clearly. I mean, even if he didn't just get five treatments of electroshock therapy, still
1: very worn down. Yeah, and part of me thinks that it's just them, like like the spirit of McMurphy is really passed on to them instead of actual McMurphy. And we're seeing that because Harding, he cracks a joke about McMurphy pinching her butt. And it's during a group session, so she's there, and all the patients laugh at her. And she realizes that keeping him out of sight has kind of been giving him like this legendary status. Like you don't Mm -hmm. you don't know what's going down with him. Right. Like very interesting. Yeah. Like you can make up all the stories you want about McMurphy.
0: I just imagine all these guys thinking, you know, that or I assume I, I, I can picture Nurse Ratched thinking, you know, this will really teach the rest of the guys what uh, being a Hellraiser brings you. But I'm sure that when McMurphy's not in the ward for a week, they're like, oh, yeah, he's still still, you know, causing a ruckus and cracking wise and all that kind of stuff. Like, uh, I'm sure that um, this has technically benefited McMurphy's image more than it's hurt it. Like, uh, yeah, like I assume Miss Ratchet would, you know, have going for it or whatever. I'm not really sure.
1: Yeah, well, it's interesting because she thinks she has the top hand in this, but she doesn't. And she can see that this idea is much more powerful than McMurphy himself, this uh, rebellious Ah, idea. the, the, uh, The egg turning into a chicken. A big chicken, yep. Right. Uh, coming, to, coming to peck you. Yep. Brought to you by Legion on FX. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Still waiting for that sponsorship, too. Um, yep. Eventually, McMurphy is brought back to the ward, and he suggests that they amp up the therapy so he can see the shit that martini sees and i remember uh him saying he's like you know i'm on channel four i'm watching the evening news and i want to be where martini is where he's watching channel eight where they got the cartoons and everything uh Uh, nurse ratchet she responds by saying well, maybe we have to do an operation that eliminates hostile tendencies. Uh, Ooh, getting getting kind of spooky here. Yep. And McMurphy replies, quote, I'm as friendly as a pup. I haven't kicked the tar of a nade for two weeks. <laughs> there's no need for cutting, is there? She says that there's no cutting involved, and he replies, quote, good because i have another pair in my nightstand huh yep once again he doesn't really know what he's walking into like he literally thought that she's gonna do a vasectomy i don't know but yeah something like that yeah because he this isn't the first time he's accused her of like emasculating people so right uh, but so chief he recalls a conversation between Billy and his mother and Billy is talking to her about going to college one day and having a girlfriend and all these different fantasies and Ah. yeah, just super nice. And then to which his mother replies and she, she says, quote, you have your whole life ahead of you. And then, so it's like, Oh, Billy, that's so cute. And then, Billy says, my whole life, I'm 31. Uh, Yeah. And, yeah, it's just, it's a flashback, but, like, I thought that was an important detail that Billy has, or the relationship that Billy has with his mom. And it's, like, pretty messed up. Yeah. Uh, And... Yeah, it's very similar to Nurse Ratched, like her manipulation. McMurphy, he's going to change this. He's like, we're going to get you a girlfriend. We're going to start these fantasies. And he's been planning to bring Candy in to the ward for Billy. And tonight is the night that he's going to do that. And McMurphy persuades Turkle, who is one of the oldest aides who works during the night to let in uh Candy and her companion Sandy and <laughs> they arrive with like a bunch of alcohol Candy Sandy and Randy Oh my gosh <laughs> when I was writing this I I messed up Candy and Sandy so many times but Candy oh. that's the girl that was in the boat and Sandy right. was the girl that was supposed to come <laughs> with the other yeah, truck but she but, didn't <laughs> Yeah
0: because Because what we didn't say that's from the book is that other friend didn't show up because she started going with this guy that... I think the thing in the (laughs) book, it's just such a small thing, but I think that it's just that he always makes the same joke or something like that. She's going with some square, you know, the guy that always says the same thing about the chicken crossing the road. I don't know if it was something kind of like that, but that's just what memory kind of conjures up for me in
1: this instance no that's good because um i remember rereading this i didn't include it but so sandy she arrives and one of the first things she says because mcmurphy wasn't really expecting her and she says that i divorced that uh guy i was with earlier and then (laughs) mcmurphy's like what so sad (laughs) yeah or broke up with i don't i don't know what they're uh state was but right yeah so the the party starts and uh they're having a good time they hear that one of the supervisors is coming down and they all hide in the bathroom with the lights off as the uh supervisor knocks on the door asking for turkle and everyone is like well well, where where is he where is he and uh, they imply that he's probably high somewhere and they don't know that Turkle is among them. He says, I'm not high from, from that pathetic joint. Good <laughs> so, grief. Uh, yeah. That was pretty funny. Like he just kind of surprises them because it's in the dark and they don't know that he's there. Right. Um, so he goes out to answer the door and when he can't explain why the lights are off in the bathroom, because, ward policy is that the only lights are on are going to be in the bathroom at night and so harding saves the day by walking out and he says oh i like to poop in the dark and uh so huh. yeah the supervisor leaves and mcmurphy breaks into the medicine cabinet and mixes vodka with cough syrup for everyone to enjoy
0: yeah enjoy is one <sighs> word that you could uh imply if you mix vodka with cough syrup apparently these Uh, guys these guys were leaning before it was cool yeah but it's very dangerous all right yes yeah i I mean it's literally like uh well it's an opiate but instead of shooting it into your arm you drink it and i don't think either way of
1: doing it is good for you no it's taking the lives of too many hip-hop artists uh, well, just people in general, and people in general, like yeah, not a good mixture. Um, no, they're they're obviously getting very messed up from this. So Sandy, she decides that she has to go to the bathroom, and during this, Cephalt is defending her from Colonel Matterson for breaking into the bathroom because the only bathroom there is is the male bathroom. But Colonel Matterson is like, ooh, a pretty girl. And he's trying to, like, see her. And so Seffold is, like, trying to be like, get back, get back. <laughs> um, Jeez. And then, yeah. And so Sandy is pretty impressed by this. And so her and Seffold go back to bed. And Seffold has a seizure during sex. And oh. uh, the sex must have been pretty good. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> But, Uh -uh. (laughs) but so Harding comes over with his medication and sprinkles it over him saying, quote, we are witnessing the end, the absolute irrevocable, fantastic end, unquote. Eventually, well, and this is just giving off some like the Last Supper vibes, like, right, (laughs) you know, this really is giving me some uh, Christian vibes here. Yeah, like it's kind of playing out the same way where, you know, it's, it's the last party. They know the ending isn't going to be good. and The last banger. <laughs> yeah. The calm before the storm. Yeah, it was basically like New Year's on 2020 where, um, you know, that was the last big party. And then everything just kind of went downhill after that. <laughs> what? Things have been going downhill lately? What are you talking about? Uh, <laughs> am, I, some, am I missing? <laughs> well, you know, for uh, some people, you know, I don't know. Yeah. If you're having a good year, great great for you. But a lot of us are, you know, struggling here. But um, hey, either way, try to keep your head high. It's easier said than done. Yeah. But you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. And I, I think the only person that's having a good time during this is Jeff Bezos. He's making a banging uh profit off of this but uh, yeah, I, I could see something like that happening yep so i hope you're having fun jeff uh, i don't yeah well well me either that was uh yeah yep. i i hope you're just not a little <laughs> i hope your rocket program fails <laughs> but hey thank you for listening yeah thank you jeff <laughs> put us on amazon Uh, yeah or something yeah he'll probably own like the podcasting uh world here soon he'll own the word (sighs) podcast yep oh man that's not fun (sighs) scary thought yeah yep so but yeah they all know that this is gonna be the end here soon and eventually it's 4 a.m and billy and candy go to a separate room Harding tells McMurphy that they have to do an escape plan for McMurphy because he knows what the consequences are. He's trying to come up with this plan, and he says that they could tie up Turkle so it looks like he was defenseless and they stole the keys, unlocked the medicine cabinet, whatever, and McMurphy can escape. McMurphy, he just starts to ask the rest if they're going to leave voluntarily, and Harding says that he thinks some will because... They are sick men now, not rabbits, and that was a good callback because earlier he said that all the patients are rabbits, and Nurse Ratched is this wolf that's like keeping them in place. But you know, it's like it's like that one song, "Now That We're Men" uh, song. Um, uh, now that from SpongeBob. Yeah. Yep. Oh my we, god. We wear our underwear, whatnot. Um, I remember. They're all pretty much done with the ward at this point. Um, And Harding, he explains his situation and says, quote, I discovered at an early age that I was, shall we be kind and say different? I did practices that our society regards as shameful. And I got sick. It wasn't the practices that I did. It was the feeling of the great, deadly forefinger of society pointing at me. And the great voices of millions chanting, shame, shame, shame. It's society's way of dealing with someone that's different, unquote. Yeah, hurting. I mean, I guess it wasn't super obvious, but yeah,
0: just a gay dude. Uh, Yeah. Couldn't really say that he would be having an easier time today, but, you know, things have changed since 1962.
1: Yep. So that's kind of nice. Yeah, we've come a long way, but, you know, still got a ways to go. Um, But yeah, like this was the only hint that he dropped that he was gay. And I mean, I feel like I wouldn't have picked that up if I'd never researched this more. But yeah, it's just um, his way of saying like, yeah, this is why I've been, you know, kind of closeted about, you know, my feelings towards my wife and just in general right but yeah he never it, has enough for her. yeah yeah that was oh that was rough um ouch but I, I did really like how he describes how society just kind of we still see that we still see this with like mob mentality and you know if people tell you not to like something it's they'll do the same thing. So I thought that was pretty interesting, but yeah, so they work out the final details of this escape plan and McMurphy. is not really taking it too serious and they go to bed to get some sleep, uh, before they escape. And when he goes to bed, uh, chief notices that him and Sandy, they're going to bed together. And he says that they look like more, more like little children than two adults going to bed. Like it's, They've had a very childish, like, fun night. And it's just kind of like another thing where it's like, oh, man, like, the fun's coming to an end. Like, in the morning, this is going to be all over. Yeah. But no one sets an alarm on their iPhone or anything. And so, yeah, it's just like you always got to set an alarm or something. You can never count on the person that just drank cough syrup and alcohol to wake up in the morning and And smoked uh, a pathetic little joint (laughs) yeah exactly like there was nobody that was dependable that could wake them up and so the aides walk in on this giant mess
0: and if i may jump back to it real quick when turkle is, like, set up in the book, he's already, like, uh, passing out just halfway through their conversations. So who trusted this dude to wake everyone up on time? <sighs>
1: I don't know. I don't know. Me neither. He was having a good time, too, though. Oh, sure. Uh, yeah. And so, yeah, Ner- Nurse Ratchet eventually walks in, and as she starts, like... You know, looking under the stone or whatever and reveals all these things that they've been doing overnight. She just gets more and more mad. And then eventually she comes over to Turkle, who is all tied up, and they burst out laughing because she looks like she is about to blow up. Nurse Ratchet, she goes to report what happened, and she says that she's going to put in Turkle's resignation as well. And... Turkle unlocks a window to let Sandy out. Harding tries to motivate McMurphy to get out, but McMurphy is pretty unbothered. He's still pretty drunk and still waking up and it just doesn't care. And this leaves Harding very worried and frustrated. Like he's trying to be like, I know what your fate's gonna be. And at this point, he he's just he's done everything he can do. And yep. The so they gather everyone up and the only person that's missing is Billy. The nurse starts looking around as the patients laugh at her. They're like, "Oh no, they're gonna she's gonna walk into some pretty crazy stuff that Billy's been doing." Yeah, we know where Billy is, but <sighs> we, you don't. We know what Billy was up to all night. Oh yeah, yep. So. She eventually reaches the room that they are in and discovers Billy and Candy in bed together. She says, (laughs) Oh, come on, Lucas. You couldn't uh, see that one coming. The horror. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. This is, you know, I said I had to close the book earlier, but I really had to close the book after this part here. Yeah, wow. Yep. Wow. Yep. Can't have anything nice. Well, nothing sacred anymore. That's the thing. Nope. Yep. Nope. Not 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 a thing. <laughs> yeah, uh, we're thinking too much like Nurse Ratched right now. But yeah, how so. dare you? <laughs> but she says, "Quote, oh Billy, 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 I'm so ashamed for you." And uh, Keezy says that him and Candy are in bed and they're moving like quote cats full of warm milk and i thought that was just so comfortable Mm, (laughs) like just that does sound quite comfortable yeah just like a lazy cat having a you know he's at the milk bar or whatever and he's just having a good time
0: yeah and the important part about this specific um incident in the book is that it'll show us that billy has really grown into his own man and he's not gonna let anyone ever tell him what to do again Uh, right I got to admit (sighs) I did read this part in the book quite a while ago so I'm kind of fuzzy but I'm pretty sure that's what happens Uh,
1: we'll we'll find out we'll find out oh okay good so at this point Nurse Ratched her face is described as follows and it says quote enamel and that plastic face was starting to cave in unquote oh yeah yeah, like her face is just <laughs> it's glitching out and she, you know, we don't know if she's going to be able to come out of this error 404 mode, but um, yeah. <laughs> she does uh, and she does this by like just closing her eyes and she almost like meditates and then she regains her power because she knows exactly what to say and it involves Billy's mom and oh. She, Yep, his weak point. And when she does this, she opens up her eyes like it's like mechanically and she just stares at Billy like a robot. And she's like and she says this, quote, what worries me, Billy, is how your poor mother is going to handle this, unquote. Oh, and so and then Billy, he loses it this whole time. He's playing it pretty cool. You know, he just he just had sex. Uh, And if you couldn't figure that out He just had sex Uh, (laughs) um, And so yeah He starts freaking out He's like no, no, no And like he grabs his face And he starts clawing his face And he's like stumbling And she just keeps on torturing him She's like yep Your mother's going to be very disappointed With this type of woman Billy And And so Billy, he starts, he keeps on freaking out, and eventually he blames McMurphy. And you know, Nurse Ratched, uh, she she can kind of put two and two together, but this really puts the blame on McMurphy, and it's kind of like Judas betray, betraying Jesus. Um, we oh, have Judas. that kind of that figure here. And this is something that I've actually wanted to call
0: back on for quite a while, where. Like I said, we've seen that all these characters are lovable enough, but they've all kind of got their quirks, and Billy kind of uh, reacting this way. It's not so much of a callback, but one of his big scenes that stood out with me in the book was, I'm not sure if it's when everyone told McMurphy that they were in the ward voluntarily or whatever, but he upset Billy through maybe asking him a question about having a girlfriend or something about his mom or something, and that caused Billy to peel the scabs from the self-inflicted cigarette burns on the back of his hands, and he was, like, wiping the... Well, since he peeled the scabs, they were bleeding again, and he was, like, wiping the blood all over his face and stuff like that. So, like we've said, not completely flawless characters, and so... We're also not too surprised to hear Billy react like this, but you know, he was kinda yeah. on top of the
1: world and then Nurse Ratchet. Well, I mean, we'll see where this brings us. Yep, exactly. Like, yeah, his the only reason he's in this ward is because of his mother. Like, he just has a stutter and that's it. And he knows that uh nurse Ratchet and his mom very good friends, so he knows that his future is gonna be heavily impacted by this. Yeah, he blames McMurphy. McMurphy kind of sees this coming, but he is a bit surprised. And then Nurse Ratched, she tries to comfort him, e- even in the book. Like she like grabs his head and she's like puts it to her breast, and she he's like she stays, says like all these comforting things like "Don't worry, Billy." And it's just like this really weird relationship too, where it's like yeah. she's just destroying him, and then she's like, "Oh, it's fine." You know, very abusive. No other way yep. to put it. And I'm thinking of
0: whatever that experiment was where they like treated some dogs like crap and they treated some well. And 10 times out of 10, the most faithful, loving dog was the one that got the crap kicked out of it sometimes. Uh, Not all the time, but sometimes. So that's kind of what this immediately conjures up for me
1: personally. Yeah, I'm not sure what exact that experiment was, but I think, yeah. And Nurse Ratched, she is like, "We'll get this fixed. Like, just go down to Doctor Spivey's office, and we'll we'll get this sorted out." And the rest of them gather in the date room. Doctor Spivey, he goes to his office and starts screaming for Nurse Ratched. Nurse Ratched goes to the room and comes back saying, "Quote." He has cut his throat. The poor, miserable, misunderstood boy cut his throat. And it's just like, you did this. Like, uh, it maybe very uh, angry. And uh, referring to him as a boy, once again,
0: this 31-year-old man. Yes. Kind of manipulative and also just kind of shows that Billy probably was always longing for a sort of manly respect that he could just never get because of his demeanor and
1: young man looks yep exactly yep yeah and then she says this and then she looks at mcmurphy and then she says first charles cheswick now billy bibbit i hope you're satisfied playing with human lives gambling with them as if you're god unquote uh, <sighs> so it's just, yeah and then so after she says this chief realizes that they can't stop mcmurphy because he is doing this until the patients are free basically like he is this unstoppable force and it's starting to infect the other patients so mcmurphy he gets up he starts walking and while he does this it's like cowboy boots going across the saloon and he smashes through the glass door he rips nurse ratchet's uniform and this exposes her breasts this completely just reveals you know her breasts obviously but yeah she's very proud of her uniform so to be her to have her stripped down to her bare uh, skin is like you know humanizing and that's exactly what she doesn't want And And
0: it's like a a bit of a double whammy, like you're saying. Not only are you ripping the authority flag off her, but you're also putting up front and center the big thing. (laughs) Pardon me. (laughs) That uh, that, uh, everyone knows, oh, she's always trying to hide those things, and she doesn't want people to know they're there. So, yeah, Yeah, McMurphy's really getting in a one-two punch. And then, for some reason, he starts choking her which is a little less cool. Yeah, but um yeah, like not that you should not that you should pull people's shirts off. I'm not calling No,
1: cool. no not that either, but yeah, I wasn't going to say it, but yeah, Keezy is like <laughs> he says that the breasts were bigger than everyone thought they could be. Uh, wow. So <laughs> yeah, but then he goes into detail what they look like, but I'm not going into that. Um oh.
0: But- oh well, apparently I won't be tuning into next week's episode. of <laughs> you- the Bad
1: Apple Book Club podcast, <laughs> erotic edition. Uh, yep, yep, yep. You lost your, our listen, oh. my listenership from here on out.
0: Uh, uh, well, hey, I won't call it a call back. I'll call it a call forward. But uh, our next ep- or our next book we're going to be covering is going to have some erotic exploits in it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, very. <laughs> oh man! Uh,
1: but yeah, just like um, we'll get to that here soon. Yeah, we will. We'll 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 uh, we'll tell you guys. And so yeah, he rips the uniform off and like Lucas was saying, starts to strangle her. But I mean, this is just not to justify him, but he's at his breaking point, and like yep. he's just enough is enough. Yeah, and this is you know he's he's cornered and. This is the last thing he is going to do. And so eventually he is pried off of the nurse by the staff. And I thought this was super interesting. Yeah, he lets out a cry that is one of, quote, cornered animal fear and hate and surrender and defiance. The sound an animal makes when it has been shot and you trailed it and it falls when the dogs get to him. The sound when he finally doesn't care about anything but himself and his dying unquote. Wow. So yeah, it's just like he basically said that, you know, McMurphy's this cornered rabbit dog that knows it's going to lose the fight, but he's, he knows he's going to die or come close to it. And he's just fighting really vivid imagery and I thought just some of the stuff that Kezi can describe these situations is just really amazing. Yeah, I think so, too. After this, many of the acutes start to leave and Ratchet, she returns with bandages around her throat uh, and she's unable to speak. And she has to write in post-it notes. So, the spirit of McMurphy is still present, and they wonder what he is doing. Like I was saying, all of them are just kind of dropping out slowly. And eventually, Harding checks out, and the only people that are left are Martini, Scanlon, and Chief. Jeez. Yep. And remember, Chief is a chronic. Uh, The chronics are staying there. The acutes have pretty much all left and the chronics you know it's up to the hospital when they leave right yeah that's
0: uh one of the things that was spelled out pretty well right in the beginning of the book is they say that acutes can be quote-unquote fixed at some
1: point or the other but chronics are here to stay Yep, exactly Yep. so this whole time mcmurphy he's been away but Nurse Ratched, she eventually brings McMurphy back to the ward, but he is in a wheelchair with a sign that says RP McMurphy Post Operative Lobotomy. Oh, I just got (sighs) chills. Yep. Yeah, it's just crazy to see this big booming figure come back, and he, he has, like, this big purple bruises under his eyes, and the guys really don't think it's him. Like, it's just a whole nother person like they his complete character is gone everything about him is gone and they are just in disbelief and martini says quote they did a pretty god good job though they got the broken nose right his scars and the sideburns um yeah they so they literally think, it's a dummy. think that yeah they
0: literally <laughs> like it's not just that it's not him it's literally like oh yeah i mean i could uh if I pull the face off, then you'll be able to see like the the wires and stuff. There. Yeah, yeah.
1: They think they think that they hired uh, like a Craigslist actor down the street and like put, a Craigslist uh, <laughs> actor down the
0: street, or maybe maybe a, a an effects artist. Yeah, something like that could be kind of fun.
1: Yeah. Uh, for like a budget uh, horror movie, that yep. would. Uh... So deep down, Chief is. He's in disbelief, but he does know that it is McMurphy. He doesn't want McMurphy to be, like, a symbol of fear living among them. Like, he he knows this is Nurse Ratched, basically saying to them, you mess with me, you'll get a lobotomy. So he, he knows that himself and McMurphy do not want this. So at night, Chief picks up a pillow and smothers him to death as the big body Puts up a pretty good fight. Uh.
0: Even when McMurphy has literally had the life drained out of him, his heart's still going, and as Chief obviously puts, you know, all of his weight into this guy, he's still just not going down without a fight, which is very appropriate for McMurphy, obviously. He probably didn't even, I mean, he probably was giving him hell the whole time they were setting him up for that lobotomy unless there's
1: like a specific, I don't know if they knock you out for that or. Uh, I don't Well, probably not for him. I imagine nurse ratchet wanted to see the whole thing go down, uh, with, as, uh, the personality of McMurphy leaves, but that's just kind of up for our interpretation. Like even in the book, uh, McMurphy leaves and like we don't get any details about what happens during this lobotomy he just comes back right. in the wheelchair so yeah like it, it was pretty interesting detail that you know it's chief if this was chief in the beginning of the book he couldn't do it because because he's big now he could put up a fight with McMurphy but even then he's still pretty strong and like chief has to put up a really big fight and so he picks up the control panel that we've talked about so much that McMurphy tried lifting and then uh, Chief successfully lifts up earlier in this part and he throws it through a window so he can escape. He he runs across the grounds and he describes it's the same way that he watched that dog chasing the geese in the Earlier episode where he's just kind right of. From um, last episode, I believe it was. Yep. And yeah, he's running across the grounds just like this dog, kind of like looking for a way, and he manages to hitch a ride with the trucker. He thinks about the things he wants to do and decides he'll visit the. Uh, well, basically his home. Uh, and. Try to find some people from his tribe, even though there's a dam there and everything. And he ends the book by saying, quote, I've been away a long time. Unquote. Ooh, wow, chills
0: again. Yes. Um I can't believe we are at the end of this book. I swear to God. I swear to God we just started the podcast <laughs> last
1: week. Yeah. Um that's my story and I'm sticking to it. Yeah, no, it's, um, this book was like, I, I awesome. just keep on, yeah, I just keep on saying it, like, it was wonderfully written, um, mm-hmm. like, we'll get into it more on the next episode, but, like, I feel like the movie, I, one of the best things I saw that compares to the book in the movie is that the movie is 2D, but the book is 3D. And it just gives you so much more depth about like these themes of oppression and personality being who you are. And with the whole combine thing and the wires going to nurse ratchet and the AIDS and everything, but that would be hard to do in a movie. But at the same time, like, wow. And and just that final sentence of I've been away a long time. Yup. Yeah.
0: Not just, I mean, not just metaphor not just literally, should I say? Because he's been in this ward for you know twenty plus years or whatever. But yep. he's finally managed to lose the fog for good. So he's also you know been away a long time in that respect.
1: Yep, exactly. Um, and it's just huge sigh of re- like of relief. Yep, you've been wanting this and. Yeah, chief was a really interesting narrator. Not necessarily unreliable, but like, uh, right. He he made this book, I think, and uh, yeah, without our McMurphy here, he wouldn't be this way. So yeah, it's it's great to see this yes, ending. Yes, absolutely. And despite the Christ-like ending that McMurphy receives, so yeah, he really. That was something I mentioned, I think, before we
0: even started this book or had announced it, is that I uh, wanted to talk about how McMurphy I see as more of a Jesus character than, well, Alex for sure, but I could still see, like, the arguments and stuff that you were referring to when we recorded those Clockwork Orange episodes. But um, for more for more on that, you're just going to have to come back here same time, same place next week for our... Uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest discussion episode. Yep. Um, You know the drill. We've done two of those before. It's kind of just... We won't be sticking to a script. It'll just kind of be boys being boys. Maybe I'll talk about horror movies more. Maybe Cole will have gone on some fantastic uh globetrotting adventure by then that we can <laughs> talk about. We'll talk about the themes. We'll talk about our thoughts on the books. Maybe... I'll have watched the movie by then. Please um, do,
1: please do. I'd love to do a compare and contrast.
0: I suppose I could find the time somewhere. Um, okay, so with that, Cole, unless you had anything else to discuss, um, I've kind of been waiting to announce our next book for a month and a half.
1: Yeah, yeah, Um. we... Be- I think there are some elements of horror in this story, but that wasn't really intended for spooky season. We tried to the reason why we split this up into kind of crazy segments is one, yes, the book is sectioned in uneven parts, but we also wanted to get some time in for some spooky uh stories. And if you would Ooh. if you could announce the next book for us. Uh, uh do that right now. Our next
0: book for October of the Bad Apple Book Club with Colin Lucas on the podcast you're listening to right now This very book it will be will be The Hellbound Heart written by Clive Barker and later directed into the nineteen eighty seven horror classic Hellraiser Written and directed by the same man. That's literally unheard of. He wrote the novella. It's awesome. I finished it three weeks ago. Then he directed the movie, and the movie is, like, one of my favorite movies of all time. And let me just say right now, we're going to say this before we talk about the book, but uh this is going to, without a doubt, it's going to be the most explicit one we've covered. Yeah. Because... If you're un if you're unfamiliar, Hellraiser is about like this Rubik's cube full of sex demons <laughs> that uh well, you know, we'll we'll discuss all that later. If you yeah. haven't seen Hellraiser, you really should. And the novella The Hellbound Heart is only about 160 pages, so um very excited to talk about that. Yeah,
1: as am I. It's full of it's full of sex. It's full of horror. It's full of fun. Oh, uh, it's just a lot of fun. Both.
0: Yes yeah. it is. Yep. It's very uh it's kind of exploitationy, but Very. Yeah, it's it's full of sex and horror, but it's like and and then it's full of like sex horror.
1: So be looking forward to that like we both are. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, this wraps up our series on one flew over the cuckoo's nest join us next week for the review episode and we'll just dive into the themes a bit deeper and but yeah thanks thanks so much for listening and um this is this has been another whopper my boy yes yeah um but, but with that, remember to give us a follow on Instagram before you hit that head on the pillow tonight. Thank you so much. Of <laughs> course. At
0: the bad apple book club. Um, there are things we've been working on that they'll get done at some point. Don't worry about it. Uh, so we spoil to it? About. Do you want to spoil it? I, uh, do you want to spoil it?
1: Yeah, we are working on some t-shirts, but uh, just trying to work on the design right now. Um, And some business cards, so that's pretty fun too. Absolutely,
0: hopefully we'll be getting both of them around the same time, whenever that is. Um, But, I suppose if that was actually all there was left to be said, then um, have a good one. Yep. Yep. (laughs) Ha, 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 with that podcast, you call me. Of course. You know, oh, yeah. I can always do nothing with it. <laughs>